0: to the next level here's your host dane carlson our episode today is brought to you by cathode ray media cathode ray is a full service marketing agency that connects government organizations to their communities wondering how they can help you here are just a few ideas they use ingenuity and imagination to create awareness of progress and opportunity within your community They help residents and visitors find local shopping, dining, and service businesses. They make residents and stakeholders aware of challenges that affect them and their community, while encouraging them to get help or get involved. They can also work to help attract new small businesses while helping micro-entrepreneurs. Learn how this small but mighty woman-owned and operated marketing agency can help your community they use tried and true methods that will connect your organization to your residents using social, digital, and traditional media. Curious? Visit cathoderay.com. That's K A T H O D E R A Y.com to learn more or ask for a free no obligation consultation. We thank Cathode Ray for their support of the Econ Dev Show. Welcome back to the Econ Dev Show. Today we're here with Wendy Rosen. Wendy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on the show um, so quickly. You wrote an article on LinkedIn that I read, I think, over the weekend, or maybe I read it on Friday. Right. Why don't you give us a little bit of background about yourself and who you are and what you've done to give us some context about what we're so we know what we're going to talk about?
1: Okay. I, I'm the daughter of an artist who kind of accidentally got involved in arts economic development at a time when... There was no such thing as an arts, economic development, um, enterprise. And, um, I developed the national trade show for American made products. And that was full of artists like glassblowers and potters and jewelers and woodworkers from all over the country, from all 50 states would come to Philadelphia each year and present and sell their products. And as I grew that show. I became very friendly with a lot of the small retailers and artists all over the country who were trying to revitalize their main streets from the 80s and the, and the late 70s when there was a severe depression or recession. And, mm-hmm. um, and they all had little projects that they were working on. Some were developing studio complexes. Others were um, um, just going into an abandoned main street with their pottery studio and hoping somebody would notice. And um, and it all turned into an amazing, amazing group of people who contributed billion billion to the GDP every year. And all of that evaporated in the crash of 09. But we had built it up to, you know, a show, our trade show racked up Forty-five million dollars in orders for handmade goods made in America every show, and ten thousand art um, uh, gallery owners and small retailers would come, and sixteen hundred exhibiting artists would exhibit their works. And it was a pretty amazing world. Yeah, and I mean, I was working with all of these people who had created their business out of real need. They were dyslexic. They were totally right-brained. They couldn't function as an employee of someone else. You know, right. they were just who they were, were. artists, creative people. And they were recreating their own main streets as well as recreating, as creating their own businesses.
0: Yeah. And today, so many economic developers have as their mandate to to fix Main Street. And it's basically doing exactly what we- you describe happened organically.
1: Once again, we but, have a lot of vacancy signs on Main Street.
0: Absolutely. It's, it's phenomenal. You drive through a, a small town, and it has this huge built infrastructure in the downtown, multiple multi-story buildings, and everything just looks really permanent, and it, like it was built to last. Fronts Once are deep, empty. 20
1: years ago, we blamed Wal, um, Walmart on right. the destruction of Main Street now sure. we also have amazon to blame on that because there's no reason for um for people to go to um to go downtown because mm. they can shop online now and they're and right. the lack of authenticity in all of our online resources for product is just horrible there's a mm-hmm. lot of deception and uh and we're kind of in the middle of a war between wall street and main street and, Main Street's got to have some balance. Got to find its way.
0: And I, I think this probably even predates Walmart. I mean, isn't this the rise of the the suburban mall, pulling you know retail yes. out of yeah, downtown? In any cases, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And look what happened so, to them.
0: Right. Exactly. And now, yeah, now they're being turned into other things, torn down and turned into uh, residential facilities and all kinds of other things. So you ran this show for thirty years basically, wherein you brought 35, these small, years, right? 35 years, where you brought these right. small manufacturers together with small now, retailers from all over the country. Yep. And then that sort of died in the Great Recession. Why do you think it died in the Great and, Recession? And I, think,
1: I think the biggest reason that it died was that so many of these retailers were from little resort areas and rural areas where community banks were their backbone. And the community banks evaporated when we gave you know when mergers and acquisitions of banking happened, and you know we now have a monopoly on banks, and I mean, even Bank of America won't even take small business clients anymore. They don't want the littlest guys. They want bigger guys, bigger businesses. They'll reject you at the at the front counter. Um, and And that's really sad. Every one of my retailers relied on a $50,000 revolving credit line with their local bank. They had a relationship with that banker for twenty or thirty years, and they knew they knew each other, and they knew they could Mm -hmm. trust each other, and that's boom.
0: And now those small banks are often just branches of a a larger. uh, And those bank they were closed or
1: they were merged. Right. they were closed, emerged, or you know, they're gone. And those
0: bank presidents are now just you know branch managers, basically. They're just
1: right, and a a lot of people would think that that small business administration would be uh-huh. the catch-all for helping small businesses the reality is that less than 1% of all SBA loans actually go to a business with less than 12 employees that's the truth the small business administration classifies as a small business as a business with as many as 500 employees
0: that's that's not a small business in in most places
1: no Not on any Main Street I know.
0: No, right. Exactly. So you wrote this article that was on LinkedIn and it it was titled Dear President Biden, Rebuild Made in America. So what drove you to write that?
1: Well, Well, you know, I've had these ideas and this plan in my head for so many years and Mm -hmm. um, it was just time to put it on paper. And Mm -hmm. it's very simple. A lot of the infrastructure money that's out there right now. A few dollars could be taken out of that and put into. I know that we're building welcome centers now in every state. So right. if we're building welcome centers on major highways, instead of giving a contract to mark for candy bars, why don't we set aside a few shelves for made in our local state merchandise? We need shops like that everywhere, we also need a trade show in every state for made in our state merchandise that shouldn't be hard that's already being done in a couple of states and but it you can't hire a regular trade show producer to do that it has to be done by commu- by a community it can't be done by a commercial trade show investor and so, that's because you know i mean it's because, because most of our large trade shows, New York Gift, are publicly held corporations. They don't care sure. where their money comes from. And their booth fees have gone from what used to be $500 now to $5,000 for a booth. And no micro enterprise can afford
0: can that afford kind of that.
1: expense. Just for the booth fee, never mind the freight hotels and right. everything else.
0: So it's just a it's a matter of um, consolidation in the trade show industry than the is right. driving up the price, which yep. goes back to all of this. So it's all consolidation at a national level yep. or an international level. And, and the jewelry show, the jewelry up.
1: show has gone to $30,000 for a booth. Oh
0: my god. For goodness. a 10 by 10 booth. Right. Yeah. So how can anyone even afford to do that?
1: Well, the, hmm. the issue really is that foreign governments subsidize their micro manufacturers, their smallest manufacturers to come to our country to sell. And... Everybody does it. Even Canada gives $10,000 to their small maker studios to come here to sell.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: So why aren't we doing the exact opposite? Why aren't we subsidizing our exporters to go to other countries to sell? Right. Good question.
0: That is an excellent question. Okay. So getting back to your, your essay, you your first point was that we should... Put the made-in-the-state made in shops inside of the welcome centers. That's good. Um, right. Then you mentioned the SBDC could coordinate business education workshops for makers and local art centers with government-approved educators. Right. You
1: know, it's my understanding that SBDCs are not allowed to take any income. And if they're offering really good education, they have to charge for it in some way. Otherwise, they're only asking their local insurance agent and banker to come in and talk for a few minutes and that doesn't work these right brain people need very specific education to help them grow from, from one place to the next step to the next step to the next step and you know we can help them embrace the left side of their brain but it takes it takes a specific curriculum to do that
0: right that's interesting
1: and some okay. and some partnering and mentoring
0: Right, definitely. Yeah, I had the arts business.
1: Once I built my business, I had something called the Arts Business Institute. And I would go, I went to at least 30 states offering from Hawaii to Maine to Miami, offering um, workshops that were sponsored Mm -hmm. by economic development groups and art centers and colleges. And um, we would do a weekend workshop and that created tons of businesses. In those local areas.
0: Interesting. Yeah. When you say that it created tons of businesses, were those businesses already there? They just didn't, or no, you know, the, the people were, that ran they, those businesses were they, already
1: there. They a, I think the talent was there. There was right. somebody in a studio making things and maybe selling them at the local art fair. But isn't mm-hmm. the goal to bring money in from another state or from right. another country? Right. So all that money was getting recycled locally. But it wasn't coming in from all over the country, and I was teaching people from to move from selling locally to selling nationwide.
0: Right. Interesting. Okay. Next point you mentioned was that small startup grants for locally made product storefronts could give SBDC and Main Street development groups an excellent reason to work together. Is that something that you're not that we're not seeing, and that that needs to happen?
1: I don't think we are seeing it. I think you know. Every SBDC that I've ever known sends people to the SBA for money. We have to stop doing that. Right. All you're doing is wasting poor entrepreneurs' time and frustrating them because they're not going to hear anything.
0: Right. As you because as you mentioned, yeah, they they're can, not going to Yeah, they can't get it. Interesting. Yeah. That is that is a really good idea actually, bringing that together. Huh, and if to and if people work
1: way. together in small maker groups, Mm-hmm. You know, and and small entrepreneurial groups. We've already proven that they can succeed and grow and and learn from each other. So that's why right. these art centers and these entrepreneurial centers for creative people are so important. Good. When I when I found out that my own exhibitors were outgrowing their basements and their attics and their garages with their studios, I actually found a 100,000 square foot abandoned cotton mill in the city of Baltimore. And I called a friend who had an option on it and said, let's make an artist studio complex. And with a $250,000 investment on our part and uh, a community economic development loan, um, Mm -hmm. we were able to build a $3.7 million project that is still active and successful today for creative businesses in Baltimore. And the houses in that neighborhood, when we bought our property, the houses were worth $35,000. Do you know what they're worth today? 300 no, what are they
0: worth today? and more. Oh my goodness. And more. Oh, right.
1: And so there is a return on investment. Absolutely. We need more of that community development block grant money.
0: That is true. Oh my goodness. That is a that's a good idea too. I like that one. Yeah. All right. Let's uh next one you mentioned is stricter enforcement of made America made in America guidelines with quarterly analysis right. and inventory review right. by experts. Right. Well so what does that mean?
1: Well, everywhere online, but also in our national parks and our Smithsonian museum shops, there's outright mm-hmm. deception with merchandise.
0: Oh my oh really? Okay.
1: They have a mission to to sell locally made things and and made in America. But the reality is, is that they push the Chinese stuff forward and they push the made in America stuff, made locally stuff back and they don't sell enough of it. And they're not, they're they're publicly held corporations and they're not doing what they should be doing. They're not being good community support organizations.
0: Right. Because at the end of the day, they're, they're, They're trying to make the most money as opposed to and and they're trying to make as much money as they possibly can and still fulfilling their mandate to have some locally made stuff. And, you know, but if nobody buys it, nobody buys it.
1: I did a protest at the Grand Canyon uh, many years ago, I think 2011. (laughs) And um, all we did was educate people going into the Smithsonian, the um, National Park store there at uh, Bright Angel Trail at the Grand Canyon. And told them what to look for and what, you know, and, and to complain if they didn't like what they were seeing. And um, it was a pretty amazing experience. It, you know, it's it's very sad to see how our national park shops, which happen to be the most profitable retail square footage in the country, better than Fifth Avenue in
0: really? New York.
1: They're doing dollars. Uh-huh. They're doing $6,000 a square foot in at the Grand Canyon that's outrageous and you know darn well they're not paying concession fees that probably that they should be paying
0: oh wow yeah i um before i was in texas i was in california and i was in a little town right outside of yosemite national park and i ran the visitor center that was there or my team ran the visitor center and yeah it was very interesting when i came on board we were selling knickknacks and whatever kind of tchotchkes that you would sell and people would sell in a place like that. And we created this program where we brought in all of the local producers that made small-scale manufacturers and whoever. all sold their stuff. And we did a Christmas store. We did all things. And it was really great for these small entrepreneurs in the community to get their products in front of people that would have not seen them. And like you said, it was outside money. It was money from tourists and whatnot that were. Spending their dollars, and they were coming into our community. So, yeah, I'm a big believer in that. Let's see next. Next, let's see. You mentioned this before: the restoration of the fifty thousand dollars small business loans that most small retailers had in their community banks before the crash. We that's need, a no brainer.
1: We need yeah. a community banking system to exist again. I don't know right. whether that's going to be federally managed. It may be. It needs to be federally managed, but we need community banking. We need competition for right. these big banks.
0: Absolutely. Okay. And a credit system
1: for small for micro
0: enterprise. For for micro enterprise. That's that's the right. big one, right? Yeah, they yep. Yeah. how do you do that? That I don't know, but that is an excellent thing. Um okay, then you have a simple customs and border c- patrol complaint desk at large convention center trade shows. Right. Most intellectual what? property theft can be stopped instantly before this it happens. It costs T-
1: nothing. It's so tell the the me, explain nothing. this
0: one, because this one was good. one that I just thought, oh, that is a great idea. I can understand. I, that makes perfect sense. So walk me through this. What, how would that work?
1: Well, you know, I've been at trade shows where artists have been, some, these, these foreign manufacturers come to mm-hmm. trade shows. I mean, they used to try to come to mine and I used to kick them out, but they come to trade shows and do they prey on other big businesses? No. No. They already know their products. They prey on the little guy that has no lawyer mm-hmm. that can't afford a $50,000 lawsuit to protect their property. So, right. and the artists know that they've been knocked off. They, you know, sometimes a product is missing from their their booth one day and it shows up in another booth the next day. It's that blatant. Oh my! And goodness. if there was, I, if ICE had a desk where complaints could be offered some of that could be dealt with right there on the trade show floor. You just right. take it off the floor and you make mm-hmm. that decision right then and there. Oh, it's not goodness. that hard.
0: Right. It's just plain common sense.
1: Right. But trade it shows are publicly mm-hmm. held corporations. Right. And people yep. don't want to give up t- a 10-foot booth space for an ICE officer.
0: Oh, my goodness. That Yeah. that's And who wants to, these publicly traded trade shows don't want to exclude anyone that might give them money. Right. Their incentives are just not aligned with the small-scale producers and just with the American economy as a whole.
1: I can't tell you how many people I know that are out of business just because they were knocked off.
0: Just copied and, yeah.
1: And they couldn't afford to to protect their their rights. Oh, my
0: goodness. I know one artist
1: in Kentucky that had his work knocked off by... Several companies, and they ended up in every department store, bed, bath, and beyond, linens and things, everything in the United States. And he spent six hundred thousand dollars defending his intellectual property rights. Mm-hmm. And he won six hundred thousand dollars. But he lost three years of his life.
0: Right. And
1: God knows how much growth and business he lost in the meantime that he course. couldn't calculate.
0: Right, because he was he was a maker. Or he created things. He wasn't a, right. someone whose entire life goal was to spend his time in legal battles.
1: Right, right.
0: Oh, so, I'm a big believer in this small scale manufacturing renaissance because, you know, we obviously. Well, I'm a big believer in manufacturing renaissance as a whole. But we had to get there. We have to have this culture of small scale manufacturing, small scale creation, these workshops, these right. artist studios. And one of the questions that I receive
1: and all kinds of all that stuff that
0: help, yes.
1: then help with production and
0: mm-hmm. you know yeah. can
1: leverage we can leverage all of that now.
0: Absolutely. Now one of the questions that I receive from people when they don't necessarily buy onto this idea is mm-hmm. why would someone give up a job A low-wage job in a cushy place like a Walmart or a grocery store or a call center, why would they give up a cushy job like that to work in a dirty manufacturing place or some kind of workshop or a fab facility or whatever? What do you say to that?
1: Some of these people are home-based businesses for a really good reason. Maybe they're taking care of a, a child or a parent. Some of them are people that have dyslexia, like I said, learning disabilities, they just don't work right in a corporate situation or anything else. The other thing is they can make a lot of money. I have right. artists who made $600 an hour making sculpture. They also made Christmas ornaments part of the year mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. where they made $30 an hour. But sometimes during the year, they could make $600 an hour. Right. That's worth exactly. doing.
0: Exactly. That is exactly the case. I have artists and that
1: bought airplanes and and put their kids through Ivy League schools, and you know, they've they've got a good oh, life,
0: right? And they get to and the thing about this is that especially small scale manufacturing like this, you're not a cog in a, an assembly line. You have time to. Some of these people work out of their homes, where they're no. like you mentioned, their families are there. But this idea of sitting in front of the television at night, working on your put assembling something that 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 has real appeal.
1: Uh, for Go the ahead. last 30 years, a lot of mm-hmm. our new artists are recent immigrants. They've come to this oh. country with a skill. They don't have language ability. Right. And they're learning their language, selling at an art fair or whatever. Um, and and they're our newest immigrants. And they're going to become employers. They're not going to become employees.
0: Right. That is exactly the case. And at the same time, they get to care for their family, and they're not isolated right. and separated and... Yeah, that and all, and artists are pretty supportive of each other. You don't, I'm sure you have squabbles, but as a group, they seem like they're very welcoming. They're very open to new people and new things. And it just seems like such a something that we really want to encourage.
1: They're also the seeds of Main Street revitalization. These Mm -hmm. artists make in their studios, but eventually they'll open up a shop on Main Street. Right. They will start. Helping other shops on Main Street grow. They become the leaders in a community for economic development, which brings tourism to a community. Mm -hmm. If you look at cities like um, Asheville, Corning, New York, um, uh, Miami Beach, Lakeland, Florida, (laughs) Paducah, Kentucky, these Mm -hmm. are all places where there was a small incentive for an artist to move in and start a business. Corning offered $10,000 to glassblowers so that they could get rid of their vacancy signs on Main Street. Paducah had gorgeous Victorian homes downtown that really needed a lot of work. And they offered them to artists, offered loans to artists who had the skills to revitalize and renovate those homes. Um, You know, in my own hometown of, of Hamden in Baltimore, you know, all the people that live in that little village now, so many of them are single. Their their parents with a, a a small business of some kind in the in the area. It's just it's it's an amazing community, and it and it creates a culture. It creates a local mm-hmm. culture that draws tourism
0: that is different from the cookie cutter suburb retail sort of thing. It feels like something. It really is. It feels like something because it is really something
1: these yeah. when I saw all of these cities growing their new mm-hmm. cultural communities or their creative communities, what I did was I created a cultural tourism magazine that was nationwide and we had a contest every year for the top arts destinations in the country. Mm-hmm. And little cities like Saginaw, Michigan sure. and Berkeley Springs, West Virginia would do everything possible to compete. To become one of america's top arts destinations and that's the way they build their tourism base
0: that is so true and the truth of the matter is at the end of the day there's a there's always a tension between economic development and tourism like how are they connected but nobody ever moves their business someplace that they haven't first visited as a tourist they don't go they don't move their whatever someplace that they haven't already visited because it all starts with that visit. you go, you visit, you like it, you decide to stay, explore it and it seems to me like small scale manufacturing is is absolutely key, and this arts is just absolutely key to the whole thing the oh, the final thing I wanted to mention is you kind of ended your your article with made in u s a is not a conservative value. I thought that was a really Credit. good point. That I just think that's an excellent point. And I think that yes. both sides of the political spectrum need to just really jump on it because it's not a conservative thing. It's left, right. It's everybody. Some of my most liberal friends are the artists and the, they're the ones who are doing it. They're the ones who are rolling up their sleeves and putting in the effort. And they do all, and all kinds of exciting stuff. So, yeah, I think absolutely that's the case.
1: If we want innovation and we want creativity and we want people to think for themselves independently then small businesses are where all that happens.
0: Yes, that is absolutely the case. That is so true. Well, I hope that President Biden gets the message because, and I hope that more of us reach out to him and to our other elected officials and just talk about this in general because this is absolutely where we are as a country and where we're going to need to be going forward. And so I just applaud you for doing this. And I hope... I mean, I'm still...
1: I'm still doing it. I may be partially yeah. retired, but I'm still <laughs> working with communities to help them grow their um, their creative communities. So if any of your listeners are interested, they can reach out to me and I'd love to
0: talk to them. How would you like them to get in contact with you?
1: wendyrosen.com or you can contact me at LinkedIn.
0: Well, Wendy, this has been awesome. And like I said, I'm going to push this out today because... This is such a timely topic. Last week was the um, State of the Union address, so I'm assuming that's where this all yes. came from. Because
1: that's where my know, inspiration. Well, then the, well, I heard things in yes. the State of the, the Union address that I hadn't heard before, and a lot of them connected. Yes. all these pieces together. Mm-hmm. It just it all came together, just absolutely beautifully. And and I've been disappointed by State of the Union addresses before. I'm hoping that the execution <laughs> on this one. Is a little bit better for Main Street.
0: Absolutely. Well, let's hope. It's a lot well, better the, for Main Street. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. You've been a great guest, and I hope that um, our readers reach, or our listeners will reach out to you and pick your brain, hire you, utilize your vast experience. And I hope that there's a way that this, these, this show that you had can come back, ultimately.
1: Right. Right. Well, I think I think it needs to come back in a regional way. Um, mm-hmm. it's not quite affordable for it to come back first in a national way. It's got to start right. on on the local um, in a local way, you know before. and the other thing is is that your members shouldn't be calling a real estate developer the first minute that they have some money to spend. They should be calling they should be looking at their local assets. and Richard mm-hmm. Florida does great assessments for mm-hmm. creative assets. You get your creative asset assessment. And then you find you create the plan. And right. that's what I do is create those affordable plans so that cities can take the next step forward and start developing real tourism and economic development on Main Street.
0: Fantastic. Well, Wendy, thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Dane, for inviting me. It was great.